You're listening to RE Snapshots. Each fortnight, we chat about the science behind the weeds, tackling herbicide resistance, and bringing you the latest information with experts in the field. In RE Snapshots today, we're going to be talking about a recently released RE paper entitled Why Was Resistance to Shorter-Acting Pre-Emergence Herbicides Slower to Evolve? We're going to kick things off chatting with Steve Powles, the Director of RE. He's going to give us some background on the paper. Hi, Steve. How are you? Yes, I'm good. Thank you, Jessica. Could you give us some background on this paper, Steve? Yes, Jessica. Uh, This is the work that's been done by Gail Somerville. She is a mature age PhD student who was already experienced in modelling and wanted to do her PhD. I suggested to her to model the life of pre-emergent herbicides versus post-emergent herbicides. Now, when we say model, it's a simulation using the computer and algorithms to try to simulate the real world. What the real world has shown is that in many cases, pre-emergent herbicides have lasted much longer before resistance has appeared than post-emergent herbicides, which for many have had a much shorter life before resistance has occurred. So I was wondering and whether Gail in her PhD could model the life of a pre-emergent herbicide versus a post-emergent herbicide. Uh, and it involved then Michael Rendon, who's a, a modeler with all those skills, and Michael Walsh and myself being the, the crops, chemicals, herbicides, weeds people to, to form a team to help supervise Gail uh, address this really demanding question with the model uh, should a pre-emergent herbicide last longer than a post-emergent herbicide and that's what she found in fact but you can speak directly with Gail. The question addressed in this paper was that something that was a question amongst the broader agricultural community as well do you think? Well I don't know Jessica that people had really thought about uh, whether post-emergent herbicides have a shorter life than pre's but it's certainly something that I had been thinking about and wanted to investigate it but it's not the sort of thing you can investigate with experiments unless you've got a spare 25 years to do the actual experiments. That's a, the benefit of computer simulation models. You can once you've got the model and that's no trivial task but once you've created the model which is what Gail did then you can ask questions and get answers very quickly and whether those answers reflect the reality of the field is another matter but uh, it's certainly better than doing 25 year experiments. Yes time is not on your side in that regard so we will talk with Gail a little bit more closely about the results but I would like to get your feedback on how people can apply what was found in this paper in the field. Yes, well, I don't want to steal her thunder, but she did find, as you probably guessed from the comments, that pre-emergent herbicides can have a longer life. And uh, that's why uh, we always encourage the use of good pre-emergent herbicides. They've got a real fit. We moved away from them for a while when all the post-emergent herbicides were working so well. But in fact, pre-emergent herbicides are very good. They've got a lower resistance risk in many cases. Uh, You apply them, of course, before the crop or at the time of crop seeding and they really control the weeds straight away so weeds don't really get to compete with the crop because they're being uh, controlled by the pre-emergent 
herbicide and also we can have this uh, start clean philosophy where the, we've got clean fields free of weeds at the time of crop emergence and that really gives the crop every chance and uh, and so that's why the combination of all those things uh, we can control weeds well with the pre-emergent herbicides and right now in Australian agriculture we've got quite a few different pre-emergent herbicides and of course we encourage farmers to when on a good thing don't stick to it with any one of those pre-emergent herbicides use a diversity of those pre-emergent herbicides there's more coming onto the market in fact and so I encourage farmers to uh, rotate and mix those at full dose mix those pre-emergent herbicides to get the best results and when they get good results not necessarily stick to the same one but uh, use different ones and that way that's the best chance of a long life for these pre-emergent herbicides yes definitely it's interesting looking at this modeling like you said it, earlier it does cut a lot of time you can find out results and predict things which might have taken you 25 years as you said in an experiment which is you know half half your life or a third of your life almost a working life anyway so do you predict that modeling will become a stronger part of the research we do in the future in this space i think it's always going to be a combination modeling is definitely uh, very useful and uh, if we look at the CSIRO efforts with APSIM and, and the like, these are valuable uh, contributions to Australian agriculture. And herbicide resistance is something that can be modelled. Uh, we've demonstrated that. And, um, and, and so I do believe that models like um, the, the model of herbicide resistance, the RIM model that we have for managing ryegrass, they're very useful indeed. Uh, of course, they're not perfect, uh, and you're always going to need true agronomic and biological experiments. But yes, I believe that modelling is a useful uh, part of an overall program. And, and it's really great when you've got a model that you've got confidence in, because then you can ask yourself questions and get answers straight away, uh, which you can only guess at otherwise. So yes, in answer to your question, Jessica, I think modelling is a very powerful tool, one that you shouldn't rely on on its own, but as part of an overall uh, program. And I really encourage farmers and agronomists to use, for example, the RIM model. They're, they're increasingly using APSIM and other CSIRO models, and, and I think they're a valuable addition to an agronomist's uh, arsenal of tools and, and also very useful for growers. Well, thank you so much for your insight. And speaking of insights, we are going to be doing an RE Insight on this paper in the near future, so keep an eye out for that as well. Thanks, Steve. That's great, Jessica. Thank you. We've got quite a good introduction from Steve Powers, the director of RE, on the paper that Gail has written and published. And now we're going to get a little bit more detail, more specific detail about that paper from Gail herself. So I'm sitting here with Gail Somerville. She's just about to complete her PhD, which is very exciting. So first of all, Gail, how are you going? Well, it's it's great to be nearly finished yet, except of course, at, at this stage of a PhD, there's a lot of writing, you know, that 
takes a bit of getting used to, but I am uh, really looking forward to getting finished, yeah. And people like me tend to want to know all about it, so you'll be extending a little bit more, whereas before you're probably more focused on getting the models done and doing the writing, and once it's published, everyone wants to have you talk about it, so it's sort of another chapter, really. Yeah, that's true, and uh, gathering everything together and, and formulating it. I, th- I hope to have three papers published, so I'm yeah really looking forward to getting all the information out there and hopefully making a bit of a difference. Yeah. Yes, it'll be it'll become a bit of a juggle you'll have all balls in the air at, at some stages I, I imagine so firstly Steve did get a, give us some background on your paper but I would like to know a little bit more what did you find from your model about pre-emergent versus post-emergent herbicides well we found that that a shorter acting pre-emergence herbicide doesn't kill a lot of weeds but then when you put the post-emergent herbicide on it kills everything that survived the pre-emergent herbicide so everything that survived the pre-emergence because it had resistance will likely be killed by the later applied post-emergent herbicide and that's what's protected our pre-emergent herbicides from resistance and why they've lasted so well yeah right so you've explained a little bit there about why pre-emergent herbicides have a longer life. Can you go into a little bit more detail about why that's so, why it takes longer for resistance to develop? Yes, certainly. Well, in my simulations, I wanted to remove all the factors that sort of could be causing a difference because a lot of people think maybe they've got less genes for resistance or they've got a fitness associated with it. And I just removed all those influences because I wanted to see if the number of weeds killed cohorts is sort of something we talk about, which is the weeds that come up through the year the different cohorts and pre-emergence hits less cohorts and I wanted to see if that made a difference and it definitely does. It's because it's killed less cohorts of weeds and because the survivors are killed by another herbicide. So your modelling shows pre-emergence have a longer life because they're only controlling early emerging weeds. However, any resistant survivors in those treated weeds, they also have a good chance of surviving. Can you explain a little bit about what the case is then for post-emergent herbicides? Well, they've been really good in the past because they've protected the pre-emergent herbicides. Even before we had our post-emergent herbicides, they still used to use things like grazing and that would get rid of those weeds. But the problem is that weeds that can survive the post-emergent herbicide, the early ones will be hit by the pre-emergent herbicide, but those late emerging weeds are only hit by a post-emergent herbicide quite often. So the survivors have got no control and that's where we run into so much trouble with the post-emergent herbicides. Yes, right. So Steve spoke a little bit about how this research will be applied in the field. Can you give us your perspective on how people can use this modelling out in the field? Yeah, well, I think the important thing is that anything that survives one herbicide has to be controlled by something else, whether it harvests weed seed control or your planting systems or the crops that you use. All those things help. And what we've got to do is we've got to hit the things that survive one herbicide with something else. Otherwise, they're going to go on and set seed and you're going to get resistance. Yes, it's a good message to get out there in particular because, yeah, we want to make sure that 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 doesn't happen. I spoke with Steve a little bit as well about the trends of modelling and it becoming more a part of a lot of projects now. And so it'd be interesting to find out from you what you're planning on 
doing your next papers on? Well, my second paper looks at making the model spatial because a lot of modeling sort of assumes that all the genes can mix together. And if you've got multiple resistance developing, then really those genes have to meet each other in a single plant. So making a model spatial sort of will improve its modeling. And also it means we can look at how the harvester can spread the resistance genes around the field and then what effect harvest weed seed control could have as well. So that's sort of where I'm going with the simulations. I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, and I'm sure a lot of people listening out there will be looking forward to it as well because, as Steve mentioned, if we were to do these experiments in a paddock or in the field, they could take decades to find out these sort of results. So hopefully we get a head start with doing some of this modelling and getting those answers at a faster rate. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. Thanks so much, Gail. 